Hey, so do y'all do anything like, is there anything that you do leading up to like Christmas to like get you guys, I don't know, in the spirit or something? Not like music wise or lights or the tree, but like, like I'll give you like an example. Like I bought, I went to Target and I bought a ton and I'm, I'm ashamed to admit how many I bought, but a ton of these balsam candles. And I just like, <laughs> I like open up the balcony when it gets like a little cool outside and I light the candles and just have the whole place smelling like it. That's funny you said that. Interesting. I've seen some uh, candles from Target. Um, I forgot what it's called, though. It's, it's not the same thing. But I like that. I have that one of those. And that's like everything at Target for some reason. <laughs> super pricey, like over the last couple of years. So that's like the only thing I get there. Um, and then <laughs> I always put these little, like, I have like a little mini snow globe I put out on my desk. I mean, that's pretty much it. You know, I I don't really do anything. Okay, so I'm not alone then. No. Okay. You. What about you, Jonas? Anything like Y'all an elf on the weird. shelf? No. What? I do, I do absolutely <laughs> nothing. <laughs> You're a mean one, Mister Grinch. Unbelievable. I I, I I I tell people this all the time. Moving from Ohio, where like. Uh, it, you can tell that it's the holidays because it gets cold as shit outside. You've it's already been snowing for a month. Like, you, like, like up there, like that's that to me. That feels like the holidays. I just feel like like living in Texas for the last five years. I just feel like I'm on vacation all the time. Like, I get I get into fall. Like right now, this is like August in Ohio outside right now. Oh like this is a this is a cold August night and. Uh, you know what winter is down here it's just not it's never winter so like thanksgiving always sneaks up on me always every freaking year i'm like shit i gotta go get food (laughs) for for thanksgiving um and if it wasn't for the football schedule i think i'd probably forget the holidays altogether i'm not gonna lie though like i worked retail for like four years out of high school and i did like retail pharmacies and stuff for like five years after that and i've grown to hate christmas music so much but now that i've gotten away from that and more and more like just the further i get distance from it the more i'm like yeah i need something christmasy going on like i don't get it anyway roll the damn music mike Episode 5 of the Forever Toros Podcast. Episode 4 or 5, Mike. I've lost count. Oh, it's five. It's, it's five. one It's one hand, and I've already lost count, so I'm a great host, obviously. Um, so, yeah, let's just get right into it, because I know we don't really have a lot to talk about, but we have a lot to talk about, if that makes any sense. Um, let, let's get started with some quick stuff. Chemezi Metu obviously got waived by the Spurs. He got picked up on a uh, training camp deal that was non-guaranteed by the Sacramento Kings. That's probably not going to go anywhere, but it's good for him. He gets to go back home. He's a California kid at heart. Uh, I just wanted to touch on some of the players. The reason he may not be on that roster, the centers or hybrid forwards, whatever you want to call them, ahead of him are Marvin Bagley, Frank Kaminsky, and Hassan Whiteside, who signed on a minimum deal. Shocking that you know someone who's very limited and one-dimensional 
uh, got a minimum deal in this market. But anyway, do you guys have any thoughts on that? Whoever wants to go first? Well, I'll, I'll just jump in. Chemezio, to me, seemed like they was going to be the, the like odd person out. Um, just looking at, uh, you know, there, there, there were things he did in, in Austin. They were like, oh, this is the guy in, you know, that I heard about out of USC. This is what I expected. But then anytime he got up to the big club, it was like he forgot, like, simple things. And he'd get, like, I guess, I don't know if yeah. I was worried or whatever, but... I had a feeling as soon as Judy Banks got minutes and started playing well, that was pretty much going to signal the end of his career. So I, I honestly had told a bunch of people, he's probably going to be a, be a G League guy now. Like, like He'll probably get a G League contract. The Kings thing totally threw me up with it for him, like you said. Yeah, I, I think that he maybe had a chance with the Kings until they signed Kaminsky. Yeah. Um, I know that for a brief second, too, Metu had gone over to the Magic and was in a part of their workouts for a moment. So he's obviously just looking for his next opportunity. And I'm glad. I'm glad for him because, you know, like Mike was saying, you know, he did well in Austin. He really did. He was a, he averaged a double-double, and he, he looked like he could really take control up, uh, control up there, you know, up 35. <laughs> but every time he came down to San Antonio – he just, he looked gun shy. He looked unsure, and I think that it started to mentally wear him down a little bit. Being a second round pick, getting an actual contract, but never really cracking San Antonio. And I put this in a piece last spring when we were already here in quarantine, and the Austin Spurs were doing their whole growing ground series, and. Jamezi had kind of talked, you know, had had a moment uh, when they they did a little bit of an interview se- uh, sequence with him, and he sounded like he was just starting to lose it um, in terms of like, you know, you work really hard for an opportunity, and you know, you feel like a lot of it goes unnoticed, and that's not really a Spurs kind of mentality. And so I wrote at the time that I kind of see him not be his option not being picked up for this year as it was a non he was entering a non guaranteed year for the Spurs, and so I just I think that he started to see the opportunity is not there. Obviously, we've already had the complaints around the city in terms of you know Lamarcus Aldridge eating up minutes, and then we don't have any size. And Mez, and Messi's one of those guys, another just six foot nine, super athletic. But what else can you really kind of give me there? Yep. And then Drew Eubanks just flat out outplayed him in the bubble. Messi couldn't even get on the court until it was garbage time, and he's out there gathering two minutes with Quindary Weatherspoon and everybody there at the end of the at the end of the the bubble time. And so uh, his time in San Antonio it was it, it was it was coming up anyway. I'm glad that uh, we were able to get rid of him without wasting another year of his career uh, and letting him have an opportunity to find somewhere else. The Kings are a very young team. He's his athleticism is raw. You know he still does well on the global stage, and he's shown out a couple times there. So hopefully he's a, he's a really young player still. Uh, there's a lot of potential. Uh, I, I don't I don't want to see him just get stuck at the G League level. But I mean his time with us was done. Yeah, I, I agree with you guys, and obviously I, I feel like maybe we probably had a little bit more hope in him than than most people, just because he was one of the few second-round picks that the Spurs said, here's a contract. Go ahead. You're, you're part of the right. 15-man roster. And I, I guess we can consider it a success story regardless. I mean, there's, there's obviously a bunch of players that have gone through Austin and have made some kind of a career for himself. But the fact that he's on the national team and 
you know, it, it sucks to see him go, and obviously it didn't pan out the way they wanted, but uh, it, it worked out because obviously Sacramento gets messy. Now Drew Eubanks gets his three-year deal with the Spurs. Um, you guys like that segue? Anyway, yeah. uh, <laughs> the contract details on Eubanks. Uh, I don't know if anyone's covered this, but I got this from Keith Smith. So it's $1.6 million for this season. Next year's a partial guarantee of 500000 It's fully guaranteed 14 days after the moratorium. Uh, the third season is non-guaranteed, but also fully guaranteed uh, two weeks after the moratorium. Both just the you know your standard little raise at 1.6, 1.7, and 1.9 million. So basically, a minimum deal for how long he's been in the league. Are are you guys happy with that? I mean, obviously, we kind of figured he's going to be part of the roster. But like Jonas, what do you think? What do you think about having Drew around for at least three more seasons? I think that it's great, um, especially since. Uh, a lot of this team, you know, again, talked about it a handful of times, nine guys from that bubble roster uh, spent time in Austin. And one of those guys has, who has been a, 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 a standard guy there the last couple of years has been Drew Eubanks. So there's a familiarity there. There's a comfort level there. And Drew showed, again, he's another one of those guys, kind of like uh, Mezzi at the G League level. He showed the ability to dominate. But what was really impressive and what got him that contract was what he did in the bubble up against Joker, up against Embiid, up against uh, you had uh, there was somebody else was huge out there, uh, Rudy Gobert. He went yeah. up against Rudy <laughs> Gobert, and he's pulling down rebounds, and he's he's more aggressive than the seven foot one Jakob Pertle. And so at that at that point, you know, and 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 it, and it all really started in the warm up games when he destroyed Fanasis. Right, he he just utterly killed a guy on the court, and has sent NBA Twitter a buzz. And so, yeah, and he he's a great he's a great bench guy, and you love the familiarity that he's gonna bring up to or from Austin into San Antonio with the young stars, uh, especially Keldon Johnson. That's that's already built in chemistry from Keldon's entire first year. I I think it's just great. Yeah, that was the dunk like. The dunk that earned the man a contract, basically. And <laughs> yeah. I have to agree with Jonas. I mean, this is a guy that I kind of, like, have joked about. In fact, like, a few years ago, I think I named my fantasy team Who You Banks. Uh, <laughs> like, Who is this guy, right? But then all of a sudden, started thinking better, but then still looked. I remember, John, you... Uh, you and I don't know Paul would get on there and talk about him and just not being able to, like, I don't know, I guess flip the switch and, and play, like, league-level ball. And then in, I get, I'm guessing that time off, he I don't know if he just works with the coaching staff or with somebody else, but in the bubble, he just seemed like a total different player. And that sometimes yeah. that happens. And so seeing that from him was awesome. And, and then they got him on a really super cheap... Um, you know, extension or contract or whatever. So I'm just like, yeah, I mean, if he's able to come in and provide some spot minutes and, and help with the defense from the, the Booker guys and and show a little bit of that athleticism at basically the minimum or a little bit of, of that, then I'm, I'm good with it. Yeah, my, my displeasure, I won't say disdain, my displeasure with Drew Eubanks at the very beginning is well documented on our podcast history, my Twitter history, text history, uh, I, I still remember, I think I sent you and Paul, Mike, you and Paul, that picture of him 
at media day with the two like armbands on his forearms. Yeah. And I was like, okay, this guy can't prosper. He looks like a 2K creative player. Like there's no <laughs> way. And, and you're telling me like you let go of Matt Costello for this. Like I, I was really just angry about it. And then it always seemed like when he played, he was just sheer size and athleticism and nothing else. And that was, I think, was that's what bugged me the most. And then when he went into the bubble, it was just like everything clicked for him. He had touch. He had feel for the game. He had movement. Like it, it, it felt like little things. Like he could rotate his hips to stay in front of a defender. It was stuff like I'd never seen out of yeah. him before. It was like a totally different person. But yeah, like it, it's just, I'm I'm really happy for him, and it's it's really good that he got a three year deal because that that just keeps adding to the Spurs development. Like I know. If the Spurs get a national TV game, maybe like if somehow flexed in later in the season or next year, Drew Eubanks is going to be the one where he has a nasty dunk or a nasty play, and he's going to trend instantly on Twitter as, who the hell is this? And that that's the moment I can't wait for. I can't wait to see that. Uh, it's either going to be the dunk or it's going to be another one of his bench celebrations. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be something that he just goes viral with, and that way people actually get to know his name, and that it'll be worth it just for that moment alone. Um, a, a couple other quick notes. The Spurs filled out their roster with the other two two-way spots in Keita Bates-Diop and Quindary Weatherspoon got brought back on a two-way deal. They also signed Cam Reynolds to an Exhibit 10 contract. Uh, a quick note on Keita Bates-Diop. He's been in the NBA for two years out of Ohio State, uh, was with Minnesota and Denver. Last season, 37 games with Minnesota before being traded in the most I, I completely forgot about this. One of the most meaningless four-way trades, I have four-way four-team trades I've ever seen that sent Clint Capella to Atlanta, who still hasn't played a game for the Hawks, and Robert Covington to Houston. Uh, Keita Bates-Diop averaged six points, three rebounds per game last season, about or so. Uh, he turns twenty-five in January, and I'll say this because I I really didn't pay attention much to Keita Bates-Diop, knowing outside of like the fact that he's you know. A, a punt on DraftKings or, or FanDuel. Mike knows exactly what I'm talking about there. He's always one of those when, when the Timberwolves were going through their injuries and stuff. Um, but going back and looking at videos, he's really athletic for his size. He seems like just massive. And the way he just can control his body and drive into the paint is really impressive for someone who's, you know, a pure 6'8", not 6'8", with shoes on and with lifts in his shoes or anything like that. So what do y'all think about Keita Bates-Diop and Quindary coming back? And also, your thoughts on Cam Reynolds, someone who has corporate knowledge coming from Wisconsin and Milwaukee? I mean, just to go back really quick, that that Covington uh, trade, even though it may have been one of the most meaningless, it came with it has meaning as of this offseason because the Blazers uh, traded two first-round picks and Trevor Ariza for Robert Covington. So Keita Bates' value has to kind of be in there somewhere. <laughs> He's going to get earmarked with that trade and with that second trade in history due to the first one. But, <laughs> I mean, Keita Bates was the uh, Big Ten Player of the Year. So right there, uh, Big Ten, I know it's not a huge basketball conference, but they've always got somebody up there, whether it's Ohio State, Michigan State, Wisconsin, Purdue even. Um, it is a basketball conference nonetheless. And so for him to be able to rise to the top of that, I, I think that I do like that signing. I'm really excited to see Quindary Weatherspoon back. I don't know what exactly his role is in the future. He hasn't really excelled as a three-point shooter. He hasn't even really excelled as a two-point shooter. But in Austin last year, he wasn't the focus. 
right? Last year, the focus was, he, he, I mean, Q was a second round pick. The focus was really on getting Keldon around and then getting Luca around. I thought that what Quinn showed us, especially when you go back to just about a year ago this time, yeah, we were actually playing basketball a year ago and we still haven't started <laughs> the next season. Uh, but uh, it was coming out of December, going into January, and Quindary showed what he can really do when he went off for 30 points on back-to-back nights. It was it was electric. He was he was on fire, and he was hitting from everywhere. So what his role is going to be next, I don't know. And I think that that's what the Spurs, why the Spurs brought him back on another two-year deal, uh, a two-way contract, I'm sorry, Um and because they want to see more. I thought that he was going to get signed by somebody else if, uh, to an actual contract based on what he showed coming out of Mississippi State. And then last year with his ability to be a pure scorer. Um, I love it. I, I just love it. Cam Reynolds, I haven't gotten to see enough of. But, uh, uh, I mean, on, on a, a an Exhibit 10 contract, it can go really either way. And I know we're going to hit on this here in a, a bit later. But what his opportunities could be in Austin may not be there. But... It's at least a tryout, look a first look kind of opportunity for the Spurs at him. Yeah, I'm a big fan. I think the biggest thing I like about Cam Reynolds, ironically enough, is that he's just a lefty. And just the way that people have to defend a lefty versus a righty is always intriguing to me. So I, I do like that aspect of his Hand game. Hand placement on the defense is a little yep. bit difficult because you, you forget which way you got to kind of go up and angle. Exactly, and and that's one of those things. Like it, it'll be interesting to see how he kind of flourishes in that role. Uh, Mike, what did you think about those? I guess the the trio of signings to round out the bench. Yeah, I mean, I, I was happy with what I saw from Quinn in the bubble, and so I thought he would definitely come back. And so I'm glad they brought him back. I mean, he's still got some more things to work on, but um, seeing him out there with some of the young guys was nice, and it seemed like he was able to find a rapport, which was really cool. Cam Reynolds, when they first signed him, I thought that was kind of a just-in-case thing, like in case the whole uh, signing with Quinn didn't work out or if he found a contract somewhere else. Yeah. It basically works out to be a training camp deal, and it's it's almost kind of like a, a nice thing that, you know, obviously he's not going to find space on the roster, but then, the you know, once he gets waived, I think uh, Austin has like like kind of like first rights to – Add him to the team, and so it yeah. uh, gives him that opportunity to earn a paycheck, um, and you know, uh, you know, learn in, t- in training camp from you know the coaches and things like that, and, and before he goes out to Austin. So, um, the one that I'm, I'm excited about, and kind of like I didn't come in first was Kita Bates. Uh, uh, he uh, in Denver, he didn't really get an opportunity to show much, but in Minnesota, I, I thought he had a. a Two pretty good games, you know. He's that mm-hmm. three, four tweener type of guy. Um, so he's he he can finish. He can get a side finish. Um, knock down a spot up three if he needs to. And um, his defense also is something that I've liked. So you know he's also one uh, kind of like a contact player. He can, he kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, Kelvin in that way. He can finish with contact at at the rim. So. For him to be able to basically have, you know, the opportunity to play in Austin, this is a guy that just like I said looked good in in Minnesota. Didn't get the opportunity, so now for them to be able to have a chance to develop somebody that's still relatively young and has some nice skills that they could uh, develop. I mean, you know, you're not losing a lot uh, by signing him. So I thought that was a nice, uh, 
you know, surprising signing by the front office. On that, uh, on that defensive mention you had there, Mike, um, I think that he also plays with good length. Like his hands are active on the defensive side, and I know uh, in the in the tape that I've seen and some of the highlights that that Austin Spurs have put out there, knowing that he's a two way guy, um, his he's he's got active hands and he plays long, and that's kind of like what you like from Dejounte Murray, and I think he brings a little bit of that, like you said, to that three four position too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another thing with him too, I I kind of feel. It, it reminds me, it's kind of similar to that when the Spurs signed uh, Darren Hilliard to the two-way. Uh, like, that's someone that I would think that's an NBA-level talent who just hasn't had the opportunities. And the fact that the Spurs can use their, tool, their two-way contract as a tool to say, hey, come on and bring this here, and let's see what you can do as like a last lifeline of, you know, maybe his NBA career. Maybe they can unlock something the other teams can't. Or maybe it's, hey, we're just going to teach you how to be a consummate professional to help your overseas career. Cause like obviously Darren Hilliard never stepped foot in the G league or the NBA again. He went overseas. I think he was in the Israeli league last time I checked. Uh, that's just one of those things that maybe he just needs that experience to figure out what his next path is moving forward. Uh, Mike, did you have something you wanted to add? I was going to say it was one game he had, I think it was early in the season last year where he kind of showed a little bit of what he's capable of. He had like a 20 point game against the Suns, and he was basically just attacking every time like he attacked their defense and, and getting into the paint and finishing that way. And so that kind of shows what he's capable of doing. And, and it comes at a position where, you know, it, if somebody were to get injured and they have him, they can bring up for some a little bit of depth, you know, or some sort of security there. So I, that's also nice. Yeah, Do you guys for sure. think that that could be like, a, again, you're looking at position-wise – um, and of course, we don't know what this team looks like moving forward. But uh, if the team were to move uh, Demar Derozan, somebody somebody who can get, kind of kind of come in and get a little bit more opportunity and run off using that utilizing that two way contract. Man, I I would say this much. I don't I don't see it in that sense, but I do see it in the sense of if there's something there, and let's say. You, you've agreed to move on from DeMar. You've agreed to move on from LaMarcus. But you want to chase a free agent. And, you know, and I'm not saying Giannis or anything, because obviously there's more free agents out there next season. But I think Key Debates Diop is a perfect example of if you manage to land someone, you say, hey, you're getting promoted to the big club. Here's a minimum salary just to stay, you know, keep that salary cap, uh, per, you know, just the amount fresh and stable for whoever they decide to bring in or resign or whatever. I think that's the perfect candidate for that because obviously you want him to get that promotion. You want him to max out his 45 days in the NBA or at least give you a reason to. So I think that's best case scenario for him, at least right now. Obviously we still don't know what's going to happen with the season or anything, but that's best case scenario right now for me. Agreed. Yep. Yeah, that'd uh, be a win. <laughs> yeah. And that'd be a steal, honestly. Um, so let, let, let's get to the important stuff. Obviously, uh, besides the Trey Jones and Devin Vassell uh, drafting and signings, this also ties into the main reason we're here to talk, and it's about the potential G League season, which we still have no idea about. Um, Mark Stein had reported about the G League bubble in Atlanta. It was confirmed by Adam Joseph, formerly of two ways in 10 days, and now, I think, with the Santa Cruz Warriors. Uh, the reports were that the G League bubble would be in Atlanta, where the organizations would have to buy in to participate in the bubble 
$500,000, and not every team was expected to participate. <laughs> Shocking that these guys don't want to have their G League team out there and have to pay money for them to play. And the, the NBA apparently, that, that cost includes the quarantine period, their housing, all that, and daily COVID testing. For uh, the minimum schedule was rumored to be 12 games with a chance to play 15 to 16 with some sort of a playoff format. They were targeting late January, but obviously there was no start time. Uh, here, here's some of the most interesting parts. The Austin Spurs were recently giving away a 10-game voucher to attend their games that we still don't know are actually going to happen for Black <laughs> or, Friday. That was part of their selling point. Like, or yeah, with or with people in, in them. Yeah, with no <laughs> idea that if, if the Cedar Park Center was even going to have fans... Um, <laughs> this just gets more and more ridiculous the more that I just say this out loud. <laughs> the deadline for teams to register was last Friday. So we're recording this on Wednesday, December 9th. The deadline was the 4th at 5 p.m. No one has any idea who's partic- participating, who's agreed to actually do this or anything. There's no salaries that have been mentioned or negotiated because the union has to do that. And if you were to take on like a normal G League season, players get thirty five thousand for the season, or about seven thousand a month. So that'd be seven k just to go to Atlanta for twelve games or more. And there's no rumor on how this affects Exhibit Ten contracts because they get a fifty thousand dollar bonus for staying in the G League for sixty days, but we wouldn't even have a sixty day season. And no word on how the hell two way players are supposed to get in and out of the bubble, <laughs> or other players that like the Spurs may want to send the rookies down there. And how they're supposed to participate in a one-month season with a, you know, a week quarantine window. So that that's all we know so far. Uh, take over, guys. I, I have no. I have nothing. I, I don't know what the G League is doing. I have nothing. I'm just wondering if that five hundred thousand dollars is going towards the whole like NBA like stimulus to like the owners the way they're helping them out. I think the, yeah. it was announced like. Uh, Sometime this week, from like that, they're gonna give them, you know, so much money to like help them with any costs or whatever. And I was just like, okay. And so now they're charging these teams five hundred k each to like participate in the bubble. Okay, to stay at a Motel Six in Atlanta. <laughs> exactly, pretty much. <laughs> but I have to take the bus there. Uh, but you know, the thing is, it, it's it's crazy. I mean, the, the uh, that that doesn't make it incredibly attractive for teams to want to do that i mean you want to see obviously some of your your young talents and see what they have but uh paul and i were talking and uh one option i think i think it was it's not it was you not yet, but one option was like maybe they lengthen the um the max players the team could carry and then they have you know players the you know select number of players they can have with them um you know maybe not active but you know, there's just so many things that, I mean, it just seems like the NBA has had kind of a, not crystal clear, but some idea of when they want to get started back up. Like, what happened with the whole, like, G League planning? It is, it's just kind of like, there's no answers for anything. Like, it's like you said, like, if the deadline was Friday, I would have expected a news release already. Uh, exactly. Nothing there, which is crazy. And so it, it, it just doesn't look good for... The G League, and it, it it was looking like this might end up being like an exciting season, you know, with this new team and everything, and um, you know, especially some of these rookies and, and getting a chance. And now, don't really know 
um, what they're going to do with that. And I just love Austin trying to get in on that on the Black Friday sales. And I am just wondering yeah. if, if they had some like crazy bonus if you like sold a certain amount of like those like ten packs and like how well they actually did. I don't know. I guess they're like seriously in the red right now to be selling tickets to games they don't know if they'll really be able to even uh, put on yet. So it, it's crazy. So that also, yeah, that also reminds me too. So not only uh, do we have this whole, you know, makeshift bubble idea, but the G League Ignite team that we talked about last episode or two episodes ago is already said to be participating. Who are they supposed to play against? Also, not only that, but the fact that I, this is just <laughs> there's no communication about how these games would even be broadcast or anything like that. And I just, Jonas, do you have anything? I'm I'm just so beside myself on how this is being handled, and I just feel really bad for these players that this might be their last shot in an NBA career. Yeah, I mean, I would I would imagine that. It would still be broadcast on Twitch or something or something of the sort, which is where the games are typically broadcast or on Facebook Live. Um, if you if you can dig around the internet, and of course, any, because the NBA has <laughs> the, the NBA has been so hush hush about their plans here, um, and because I, I I literally think they just don't know what they want to do. Uh, like you said, there's a lot of stuff, and it seems like the the players' association needs to is going to have to get involved in terms of how you do handle like the two way contracts. Because if you if you can only spend a maximum of 45 days at the NBA, well, what do, what do I do with Quindary Weatherspoon? The rest of the uh, I'm I'm bad at math. What 22 games or whatever, 32 yeah. games. What 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 can I do with Quindary Weatherspoon at that point? Um, and and these opportunities. So I would have at least expected to see a different construction of the two-way contract at that point. Okay, maybe it's you're allowed to be at the team facilities and you're allowed to be at the end of the bench or maybe the expect you know and, and in case of a game ending injury because of the condensed schedule and everything like that maybe if somebody tears their Achilles again or whatever at that point Quindary can come into the game and be a substitutable body. Uh, but if you dig into the rumors around the internet there's Four teams that are reportedly not going to be involved or did not opt in to the the G League bubble last week, and that's uh, reportedly the Celtics, uh, which is the main Red Claws, the Sioux Falls Sky Force of the Heat, the South Bay Lakers, of course, of the Lakers, and the Grand Rapids Drive of the Pistons. Well, two of those teams just got done playing in the NBA Finals, so I don't think that they're really focused on developing talent. I don't even know if the Lakers are are going to be holding on to their to their draft picks or anything like that moving forward but uh and the Celtics again another playoff team I think they're going to be fine I don't think they're really focused on developing anybody of course that does impact Taco Fall um who who was uh one of the one of the highlights of the G League last year and and what that looks like for his prospective career moving forward but I, I would have thought okay well if you are going to do a bubble of some sort then you could do what the MLB did where they didn't have their minor league system. NFL doesn't really have a minor league system. So they're kind of irrelevant here, 
but MLB does have a minor league system, which is kind of comparable to what the G League is. And so they had a way off site where they had kind of just like a, a, a mini season for a lot of these guys to keep them fresh in terms of batting and pitching and playing the field and all that jazz. But you can't in basketball, it's about chemistry. It's about all being on the same page. It's not just about your ability to shoot, but your ability to move without the ball and get into the right space and be able to, to understand where the other guys are defending to know your space within that. And so I don't think that they could have done an offsite kind of bubble and just featuring guys on two-way contracts and, you know, um, assignees down to that. But you've raised the great question, John, of, okay, well, even if you have a bubble like that and it's running alongside the NBA season, how do you move those guys in and out without opening them up for to, to contact with COVID-19? And then you infected a whole NBA locker room just because you tried to bring a guy up from the G League and somebody on the entire route process from getting them there, uh, you know, test positive. It, it's a mess. And quite frankly, on the same season that the G League is, is trying to launch its Ignite program, which was a huge success. We talked about it last time. A huge success for the G League and for the NBA in terms of pulling top premier college talent into the NBA where guys can go ahead and start making, you know, profiting off their own brand and playing alongside NBA talent and being coached by NBA coaches and Brian Shaw. Um, and, and they've been filling that roster out really well. This is really looking like a kind of flub. And I believe it was just the other day that uh, Isaiah Todd, I think it was Isaiah Todd was, was asked about this opportunity. And he said that, you know, he wished because, because college basketball started. So all these guys that passed up the opportunity to play NCAA ball and showcase themselves at that level for the rest of the world and for the NBA, those guys are playing that went to college and the, and the guys who went to the G League right now are still sitting on their hands. And he was like, "Well, I, you know, I, I I don't think I'd do I, I don't think I'd make a, a, a different choice." But it's not really so much about him because he's already committed. He missed the opportunity. Yep. <laughs> he he hopped on the other train. It's about this next recruiting class. How does the NBA recover this G League season, uh, G, the G League opportunity with the Ignite program for these next guys coming out of high school? And we're only about three years away from a Bronny James having <laughs> to make his decision as to what he's going to do. D. Wade's kid is coming out soon. And these are guys that if if the NBA can really, it, it, I, I, you hear reports that maybe they're not, you know, those two aren't quite NBA ready. They might need a year in college. Well, those would be huge wins for the NBA brand to get them in the Ignite, Ignite program. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's like you guys said, it's it's a mess. But I'm not terribly surprised that the Grand Rapids Drive did not have like a team that that are going to be in the world. I mean, obviously that. The, the Pistons and their, like, 10 centers look enough like a development team as it is. That's right. So they've got enough development going on, I guess, and there's neither route there for to, to actually put a field of team. But, yeah, man, I mean, this is just crazy times right now. But I, I kind of just wonder, like, Adam Silver thinks, like, man, who do I have running this thing, and why is it such a mess? Because the NBA... Normally, it does a really good job of everything, and that falls under somebody at the league office. And obviously, they're just they just don't even know what to do, and it's going to be kind of one of those fly by the seat of your pants deals.
I can go. go I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I can go ahead. Go, you guys raise your hand. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's, there's a button for that feature for a reason, right? Um, Needy butt. Go lay down. <laughs>